Welcome to the WPC Sermons Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, To Whom Shall We Go? To find more information on our worship services and live stream, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 6, starting in verse 56. This is Jesus speaking. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones who did not believe, and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, God, we ask for you to send your Holy Spirit in power today that the word of life might be brought to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I wrote in the weekly email this week, it's been kind of a rough week in a lot of ways for many of us. The scenes that we witnessed from Haiti and Afghanistan were appalling. They're enough to crumble one's spirit on their own. Locally, the COVID season has forcibly reemerged. Our hospitals are filling at alarming speeds. And here we all are wearing masks again. And frankly, Another difficult part is it's hard to know if anybody knows anything with certainty that we can trust. Those layers don't even begin to touch the things that would be going on in our lives in regular times, right? We still have family issues. We still have broken relationships. We still have people losing jobs and getting sick with things that aren't called COVID and struggling in many different ways even just to get the kids to school. It's a lot, and it's significant. I never wanted to write another email about COVID or about masks, trust me on that. I even prayed against it many times. But this is the season God has given us in which to live and to be his church through these days. Our mission has not changed. Our vision is still to invite people to life in Christ, live together for the sake of others. 
It's just that being the church of Christ is sometimes harder than it is at other times. And we live in days like that. Our scripture this morning is a challenging one because it seems that Jesus is questioning the very ones who are following him. Jesus was a, had a terrible marketing campaign, it seems. Even as he was going and these people were following him, he confronts them with questions of his teaching. Now, most of chapter 6 has been all about Jesus, uh, all about the bread of life and the bread that came from heaven. And there are allusions in chapter 6 to the manna which God sent in the Old Testament through Moses to feed his people while they were in the wilderness. And the people thought this was good teaching. This seems wise. He's talking about Moses and he's talking about manna. We know about that. He's one of us. But when Jesus pivots and says, I am the bread of life, the people go, whoa, 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 back up, wait a minute, what did you say? Verse 60 even tells us that many of his own disciples were mumbling, this teaching is very difficult, who can swallow this? Jesus acknowledges that it is hard teaching, but that these words are of the spirit which give life. Yet some of his disciples did not believe. You know, these words, we just kind of read them in the book, and sometimes they don't strike us as they did people before, or people to whom they would be strange words, right? You know, part of the, um, part of the persecution of the early church within the Roman Empire was because people accused them of being cannibals. Why did people accuse them of being cannibals? This scripture. Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. If you eat my body and drink my blood, outsiders heard this and thought this was a literal conversation. There are danger to the empire because they're cannibals. No wonder people were turning away. Yet some of his disciples, it says, did not believe. Verse 66 even says that because of this thought, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. Wow. I always thought of the disciples as the hardcore bunch, right? Wherever Jesus was going, they were riding with him. Whatever Jesus asked them to do, they were going to do because they were just those people that do that. But it seems that's not the case. It turns out it's not at all. The 12 apostles seemed to be more of that kind because when everyone else had walked away and Jesus asked them, do you want to go too? Do you want to leave as well? Peter replied in faith, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Have you ever found Jesus' words to be harsh or offensive or unbelievable? Apparently, many of the people who had been following Jesus around did just that. What was it about Jesus' words that caused many of his followers to cease being his followers? And it seems to be this place where he came to, where he told them that he was the actual bread of life. He was not just giving the bread of life. He was the bread of life and is the bread of life. At first blush for us, this is, to us in our religiously diverse context, this world 
the claim that Jesus is the bread of life might cause us an issue or two. Could it be true that Jesus was not only the provider of life, he is the life. He wasn't just the giver of bread, he is the bread on which we feast. It's a hard teaching. And it even surpasses the teaching of Moses. For Moses is one who gave the bread, right? Jesus is saying, I don't just give the bread, I am the bread. It's hard to swallow for some people. But where do we get to? Where do we start in our faith and building up? One of my favorite people in my church in Atlanta was a woman named Frances West. She's in her early 90s now, but she's a retired missionary. And she was one of those beautiful souls. On Sunday morning, you could see her. She was going and looking for, seeking out people she hadn't met before who might be visitors, who might be new people, and she would go and find them and start talking to them, and she would invite them to come and sit with her on her pew. She was an amazing uh, spirit about her, and I loved her. Frances somehow became um, friends with a bunch of international students and scientists in the Atlanta area. Some were Hindus, some were atheists, some were Jewish, some were none of the above. And they would gather like once a month or so, and sometimes it would be for a religious ceremony from one of their faith backgrounds, and sometimes it would be just to have dinner together. But Frances, in her own inimitable way, she said to these folks once, you know, I come to all of your religious ceremonies. Y'all have come to my church sometime. And so on a Saturday night, she invited approximately 40 of her friends, mostly international, from all kinds of faith backgrounds and no faith background at all, to come to our church. And we had a meal together. And we talked, we went into the sanctuary and we talked about what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. And it's a fascinating thing if you hadn't done it. What if someone knew nothing about Christianity? What, where would you start? Where, these are intelligent, well-educated people from different places, but they had never been in a church before, most of them. And so we talked with them about Scripture, about the Word of God and how it is our rule of faith and practice. We talked to them about the cross and about the sacraments that are Christ's gift to the church. And as we shared with them through these, through these 20 or 30 minutes, I was, and I shared with them some remarks, I was wondering, what am I gonna say? Like, I mean, this is a strange thing for a pastor to say, right? Like, what, what am I gonna tell people? But I was taken back to those verses that were given to me so long ago. And I read to them John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the gospel. And it brought home to me as they asked questions, which was just fantastic. That's the whole deal. At the heart of our faith is the fact that God loves the world so much that he would even send his own son to be a sacrifice for them so that we might have life in him. But it also occurred to me how strange that must sound to someone who's never heard it before. How odd 
it is to come out of the blue with our core beliefs. One person asked that night if heaven and hell were places on earth. One person asked if we really believed in hell, how could a God who loves people send people to hell? Others got into the talk of the Trinity, which is where I got lost. But it was a beautiful opening for me personally to say, what is the basics? What are the basics of our faith? Because they sound so strange to people who haven't heard them before. Teaching is hard sometimes. It's difficult for us to keep up with Jesus. He says a lot of offensive things in the Gospels. He says offensive things to the disciples. He says offensive things to the Jewish leaders. He says offensive things to his own family. He's like, you're not my brothers and sisters. The people who do the will of my father are my brothers and sisters. Jesus was mission-focused on what the Father had sent him to do. But I want to just take the remainder of our time today to talk about Peter's response to Jesus and the 12 that were with him. I can only imagine Jesus turning to them after all the others had left and saying, are you going to leave too? Are you going to go somewhere else? Jesus must have felt sometimes in his life a terrible loneliness. He must have felt completely isolated, knowing that he was the only one who knew what was coming. The suffering, the cross, the resurrection, and the people closest to him never quite seemed to get it. It must have been a lonely spot for him to turn to his disciples, his closest friends, and say, do you want to leave too? But this is the place where Peter responds with a beautiful, humble confession of faith. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This beautiful confession of faith from Peter's lips begins with the very basics of everything. Who is Jesus? And if that is true, that Jesus is indeed the Holy One of God, that He is indeed eternal life in Himself, everything else, no matter how difficult or obscure or strange, must be true as well as He reveals it. What does faith look like when you don't understand everything? What does faith look like when Jesus' words cause many people to turn their backs on Him? I think Peter's words give us a clue about how to follow Jesus when the times are unclear. For we who trust Jesus, we have put our faith in him, first of all. We have attached ourselves to his train. We do not in what he, we don't trust in what he does for us or in how he does what we want him to do. We trust that he is the very son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And for those of us who have experienced this personal intimacy with Christ, something John Wesley would refer to, right, as uh, having our hearts strangely warmed. For those of us who experience that, we know too much to leave it. Even when the times are tough and the teaching is hard, we know that He is true. 
Where else could we go? When hard times come, people often turn to the remedies of the day. Where do they go? In our day, it seems most of the time they go to some manifestation of whatever makes me happy. So we consume our time and our resources with food and drink and sex and shopping and work or trying to make, earn praise from people around us. Anything that we think might make us feel happy. And too often we go to those places. But the result in the end is always the same, an emptiness. Because they become idols. Trying to fill the place that only God belongs in our lives trying to find life somewhere other than Jesus. The life of faith in Christ, the life of the disciple, requires a tenacious trust in him, even when times are hard, even when we don't understand what in the world he's talking about or why he would put us in the midst of a particular situation. Like Job in the Old Testament and Paul in the New Testament, we go through hard times. Job lost everything. Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he kept praying for God to remove from him. But the faith of Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, right? And Paul said, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul goes on, so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, he is strong. I think sometimes the trap that we have fallen into is putting words in Jesus' mouth that he never said. Jesus often said things like, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Following Jesus always involves living in the real world, not some pie-in-the-sky Pollyanna fantasy land, but the truth. One of the primary rules for me in dealing with times of uncertainty and doubt and even offense at what Jesus is saying or asking me to do or doing on his own is to let the part that we know illuminate the part that we don't. This is the primary rule of reading scripture. Sometimes if you read the Bible enough, there's going to be stuff in there we don't understand and we can't get our head around. But the rule in the Reformed faith is to allow the part that we do know, that we do understand, to shed light on the place that we don't understand. And I think it's true of God's Word. It's true of our lives as well. It's true that God can, set, can walk with us through times of uncertainty and suffering because Jesus is the truth. And we know the end of the story. One of the gifts that God gave me last year, kind of near the beginning of the pandemic, was when I was rereading Jim Collins' book, uh, Good to Great. And one of my favorite pieces in there I was reminded of was an interview that he did with Admiral James Stockdale. 
Admiral Stockdale was the highest ranking prisoner of war in the Vietnam, uh, in the Vietnam War. He was held for eight years in the infamous Hanoi Hilton, where he was tortured um, by the Viet Northern Viet Vietnamese there. Collins asked him how in the world, not knowing when or if he would ever get out again, how he could possibly make it through that time. And Stockdale replied, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade for anything. That's a guy who did it. <laughs> and what Collins came up with from that is what he called the Stockdale Paradox. On the one hand, he says, you have to confront the brutal facts as they actually are. And on the other hand, never lose faith in the end of the story, that we will triumph and overcome that which challenges us. We must confront the brutal facts as they actually are today. This ain't good. It's pretty miserable in some corners, not just of our city, but in the world around us. But at the same time, we must never lose faith in the end of the story. For Stockdale, it was that he would return to his family and that he would come home. For us Christians, that end is that Christ will overcome and he will deliver us in God's good time. In this era of uncertainty and darkness, these days are indeed brutal. They're hard in lots of different ways. And there is no sugarcoating the facts that will help us. But we know the end of the story. And when the tough times come and the tough teachings are, we return to that knowledge of the one who is life and truth and the bread on whom we feed day after day. Friends, remember the end of the story as we walk through these days. Let us pray. Lord, when we are walking through difficult days, sometimes faith is hard. Sometimes we don't understand why you have us in the place that you do or asking us to do the things that you are. Sometimes we wonder where you are in the midst of it all. So much suffering, so much loss. Today, Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember the end of the story, to remember the one who is the end of the story, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ, our Lord. To remember, O oh God, who you are, how you have brought us to this place in life and cared for us along the way. We pray for the strength, for the wisdom, for the patience, for the health, 
for the courage that we need. Send to us, Lord, your Holy Spirit, that we might not be those who just try to take care of ourselves, but that we might indeed live for your sake and the sake of others. We love you, God, and we thank you for the life that you've given us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. To find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.